Bibles to Exodus chapter 17, if you will, please. <clears throat> Exodus 17. The story in this chapter, I've preached several times out of this chapter, and this particular story is one of those things that just to me, in my mind, sometimes my, my mind will take a Bible story and my imagination will go crazy with it a little bit and, and think about how things must have been. But then oftentimes the Lord will use that to make application of that to me in my life. And this is one of those stories. For me, this has been, as I've read it, and every time I think of this story, this has been one of the most convicting and motivating stories for me personally. It's also been something that I've used many times in, in preaching to as well as counseling with young people when it comes to their families, in counseling, talking to husbands and wives and uh, church members, people, church leaders. It's such a, a powerful, practical illustration of our responsibility. You know, pastor always says in, in, in the church, there's two positions. You can either be the pastor or help the pastor. And to me, that's what I think of when I think of this story of Aaron and her. Aaron and her, by the way, that's not talking about me and my wife. It's a different Aaron and a different her, H-U-R. The, um, let's look at Exodus 17, starting in verse number 8. We'll read the story. I'm going to make some quick applications with the time that we have this morning. Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse number 8. The Bible says this, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, and go out fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand in the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the, of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek. And his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Thank you, Lord, for today. God, I do ask that you would take this. Uh, Lord, historical account and apply it to our hearts and lives this morning. We love you. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This story of Aaron and her, of course, Amalek comes out to fight with Israel. And Moses says to Joshua, the, the leader of his host there, he says, look, choose out some men, pick you an army, and go out, and you go out and fight. And uh, I think of that kind of for us today, whether it's in the church, if pastor says, if pastor calls up and says, hey, I need you to take care of this, or I need you to see to it that this gets cared for. Or at the college, if Brother Douglas calls and says, Brother King, I need you to make sure, you know, there's, there's uh, 
water coming up out of the sewer drain in the middle of the floor in the dining hall. I need you to take care of that. Or I need, you know, we've got toilets that are plugged up in the dormitories. Or we've got this, that, or the other thing. We need that taken care of. And this is kind of a, the, the going out to battle, the going to fight is, is not, even though there were soldiers, you know that every time you go to battle, your life is literally on the line. And Moses says to Joshua, he says, you pick out your army, the guys that you want to take with you, and I'm going to go up, I'm going to take the rod of God, and I'm going to go up in the hill over here. It almost seems to me when I read that, I, I put myself in my mind in the... Now, Joshua obviously trusted Moses, and trusted Moses to do what God wanted him to do. But on the other hand, I kind of put myself in the shoes of Joshua, thinking, what do you mean you're going to go up and... i got to go to battle, and you're going to go up sit on the hill, and you're going to watch. Okay, you're going to go up and sit, you know, where you got a good vantage point of me putting my life on the line. But Joshua does what Moses asks him to do. And Moses goes up, and the Bible tells us that as long as Moses had his hands up, that Joshua and the army of Israel prevailed. But when Moses' hands went down, they began to lose the battle. The Bible says Moses' hands were heavy. They didn't weigh any more than they did when he first put them up. His arms got tired. His arms got tired. And so Aaron and Hur, the two men that are with him, they take and they put a stone underneath him so that he can sit down. The other advantage of him being a little bit lower is then them standing on either side of him can just stand next to him and hold his arms up. And I won't do this. I've done, when I've, when I've preached this before, I've asked all the men to come stand up front. I did it one time. I was preaching to a couple's, a couple's retreat, and I had all the husbands come stand up front. So, fellas, I'm going to save you from that today, but just put, the, put a little mental picture there. I had all the men stand up front. I did it to a group of pastors one time, too. Every time I do it, the guys that I do it to, they all get mad at me. So I'm not going to do that to you guys today, okay? But I asked them to come up at the beginning of the message and put their hands over their head. And then I asked them to keep them there for the whole message. You know what happens? And that's a pretty, you know, a message, maybe 30, 45 minutes when you're preaching like that and everybody's looking at you, giving you dirty looks. You make it even shorter sometimes. But here's what happens. If I try to hold my hands up for very long, and even, by the way, if you're in really good shape, I'll tell you this. I was at one and there was a bunch of men up and I was preaching a message out of here and I had a couple of guys that were 70 plus. And can I tell you that they outlasted some younger guys, guys that were in their 30s and 40s that seemed to be physically in pretty good shape. And I believe with all my heart that a lot of it had to do with the constitution of those men, the determination of those older men which is why they'd been successful for 40 years in the ministry. It wasn't that they were any less tired than the other guys. It was just that they understood the importance of keeping their hands up. It really helped my sermon illustration too, by the way. But here's the thing. When I think about this, I'm going to make a really a very simple application in the next few minutes of this. Whether it is 
a pastor in a church, a husband in a home, or wherever else that it is, somebody in leadership at your job, you either can be the person that's holding your hands up, the person that is the leader, or you can be there to help that leader. You know what happens oftentimes in a home is you'll have a dad that has a desire to do right, has a desire to serve God, has a desire to lead his family for the Lord, and he's working hard to the best of his ability with the Lord's help to hold up his hands to keep the standards high. And oftentimes, you'll have a wife that rather than holding up her husband's hand, will say, honey, that's not really... Do we really want to fight that battle? Do we really, is it really that important? Is it really that big a deal? Do we really have to do that? You'll have children, oftentimes teenage children, that'll say, Dad, why do we got to have, you know, daughters that may say, why do we have to have those dress standards? Or why do we have to have our son, maybe, why do we have to have those music standards? Or why do we have to, why is who I date that important? Or why is, what? And the thing about it is, you see it, You see it in pastors. I've seen it in many pastors. And I'm sure that our pastor faces it, especially in a ministry this size, I'm sure that our pastor faces it on a daily basis and probably several times a day. Somebody, rather than saying, Pastor, I know your hands are heavy. Let me help you. I just want you to know that I support you in what you're doing. And I thank you for taking a stand. More often than not, not, what a pastor hears is, I disagree with that. I don't like that. Why do we have to do that that way? I think that you're wrong. You need to do a better job of this. You're not doing a good enough job of that. You didn't, you know, I was, I was sick and you didn't come visit me. I know there's 10,000 other people, but you didn't come visit me. You sent Roy Moffat to see me. Why would you send Roy Moffat to see me? Hey, no, whatever the case is, you know, there's just, the difference, the difference, let me tell you something. If, for those of you, for those of you that are, that are a wife in here today, the best thing you could do for yourself, for your husband, for your family, is to support your husband. To hold up his hands. To say when the kids begin to question, when the kids come to you and say, Mom, why does Dad always, to say, don't you dare. Don't you dare try to question your dad to me. Because you need to know that me and your dad are on the same page, that we're going to stand unified. Now let me say this, husbands, men, we're not off the hook. Oftentimes in a home you'll have, in a Christian home, you'll have a lady that desires to keep the standards high, to do things well. And a husband that says, well, it's not that big a deal. Just let the kids do what they want. I'm sick of the whining. Just let them have their way. Just let them do what they want. And it's, it, it's the same way on the other side of the coin. But there are some things that we need to understand when it comes to this. There's more, the, the battle is more important than just Aaron and her and Moses on top of the hill. The battle affected more than just them. The fact is, they weren't the ones that were even down in the trenches, but let me tell you, how Mo- Moses' ability to keep his hands up was a matter of life and death for the people that were fighting the battle. 
mom and dad today, husbands, wives, you keeping your hands up is a matter of life and death for your children, for your grandchildren, for the people that are following you. There's several things. I'm going to give you just several things and some references this morning just because of the, for the sake of time that the Bible tells us to do for those that are in authority. Several things that we're to do for those that are in authority to help them raise up their hands. I know we have the Aaron and her ministry here where there's men, whenever preachers at the pulpit preaching, there's men down underneath there praying for him and lifting him up. But I'm just, for, the, for, for our Sunday school class this morning, I just want to make an application for you and for me in our homes, in our, in our realm of influence. This has to do with, yes, absolutely, we need to be holding up our pastor. We need to be holding up others. But, but for you personally, take this and make an application. The Lord, probably in your life already this morning, probably in the last 10 minutes, the Lord has brought something to your mind. And can I just say that's exactly what this is for. Whatever that thing is that God brought to your heart, to your mind, that's where the application needs to be made in your life. And in my life, as I was studying for this, the Lord over and over again brings things to my mind, to my remembrance that I need to say, hey, I need to do better at this. I need to do better supporting my wife in this. You know, I may not understand why Brother Douglas at the college makes a certain decision, but you know what? God has given me a position, a place of supporting my leadership. And that's what I need to do. Several things. First of all, 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says this, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That would be your spiritual leaders. It says there, to know them. You know why oftentimes we don't understand and we have a tendency to tear down or just not support our authority, whether it's a husband or a wife or a pastor or whoever it is? Because we don't take the time to get to know them, to know their heart. He says, know them. You know, if you take time to the best of your ability to get to know your pastor you'll have a better understanding of his heart, of why he makes decisions that he makes. For me, for my wife, for my wife with me, it's important that we get to know each other, that we spend time together, that we talk over things so that I'll understand or so that she'll understand that we know each other and so that when we make choices, decisions, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's discipline or encouraging our children or giving our children certain counsel in different areas, I don't want to walk away. If, if my son asked me for advice in, in a particular area, and I tell him, Age, this is what I think you ought to do. I don't want to walk away from that or have him walk away and my wife look over at me and say, what in the world were you thinking? That's the most retarded advice I've ever heard in my life. That was awful. If she gets to know me and I get to know her and we're on the same page, then we have an understanding of why certain, de- why, why certain decisions are made. It's important that if my daughter asks my wife something about something that she's questioning, a rule in our home, and my wife gives her an answer, that when she comes to me to ask the same question, because kids will do that, that I give the same answer. And that I don't say, I don't know why. That, that was your mom's idea. That's your mom's rule. I have no idea why she feels that way. But that's what mom said, so that's what we're going to do. 
He says, know them. Know them that are in authority. Then the next thing he says is esteem them. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, the very next verse. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. You know who you will support? Somebody that you esteem. Somebody that you think highly of. Somebody that you look up to. Esteem them very highly in love. Why? For their work's sake. Not because they're perfect, but because of the responsibility that they've agreed to take in that position of leadership. Wives, your husband agreed to take on that responsibility of being your husband, the father to your children, all of those things. You ought to esteem them and love them for that. And understand that they're going to answer to God for that. And you ought to support them in every way you can. Husbands, you ought to esteem your wife. I ought to esteem my wife just for putting up with me. No, but what she's taking on, the the fact of the matter is in most homes, the, the, the way that it is, as much of the responsibility for raising and training our children falls on our wives. You know, people tell me all the time, if, well, not all the time. When my kids do good things occasionally, people, oh, your, your, your son or your daughter is such a blessing. You know, as a dad, I'm like, yeah, I know, right? Praise the Lord. Thank God. That's because they've got such a wonderful father. No, but the fact of the matter is, the lion's share of the credit for the way that my children were raised goes to my wife. She spent, I told her when we got married, I'll do whatever I have to do, as long as the Lord will allow me to, to allow you to be able to stay home with our children as long as we've got children at home. And for 18 years, as our children were being raised, the first 18 years of our marriage, she stayed home with our kids. It didn't work outside of our home. Not everybody has that opportunity. The last two years she has, or two years ago, she worked uh, at the school where my kids went to school because it was an hour away from our house, and she'd drive them down there and stay there and work at the school with them and help pay for the school bill. But all of our kids were there. And last year she worked at the college because all of our children, just only while the kids were away at school. But the blessing of that is, I I need to esteem her for that. I need to esteem my pastor. I need to esteem the people that are in leadership over me. The next thing that it tells us is, and this is important, by the way, this is very important. Count them worthy of double honor. First Timothy 5.17 Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. We need to honor our pastor. I had somebody tell me, when I, as a pastor, I used to try to, when preachers and missionaries would come through, we try to give them a good love offering. And I had somebody, uh, a person in my church that didn't really understand this, they said, why do you give them money? That's what God called them to do. They're preachers, and they come to preach, and so God will take care of them. We shouldn't be giving them money. And I said, hold the phone, Joan. Her name wasn't Joan. We need to count. I told them, I said, I, I, I said you will never hear me apologize for doing everything I can to take care of people that are ministering in the Word of God but also in our homes, our husbands, our wives, our families. By the way, those of you that may have maybe parents that have adult children that are married, that may be raising grandchildren, it's equally important that we support them, that we hold up their hands. 
There's nothing that aggravates me more than a grandparent that won't support the, the rules that parents have in their home. Parents trying to raise kids for God and grandma and grandpa will say, oh, that's fine at your house, but you're a grandma. I'm not talking about sneaking them a piece of candy. I'm talking about I've seen grandparents just literally undermine what their children are trying to do for right in raising their children right. To your kid, to your grandchildren, if you're a grandparent, speak well of their parents. Count them worthy of double honor. And then this, receive not an accusation against them. 1 Timothy 5.19, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Don't let people gossip to you about leaders. Moms and dads, don't let the kids drive a wedge between you by coming to you and saying, "Do you, Mom, Dad did this. That's not happening. That will not happen. If you've got a problem with what Dad did, you go talk to Dad. Because you need to know that I support Dad. Dad, Mom did this. And by the way, Dad's, again, I'll say this, Dads are bad at this. Dads are bad about this. Here's the thing. Any time that I undermine, when, if my kids come home from school and say, do you know what my teacher did? If I side with my kids against the teacher without hearing the teacher's side of the story, I undermine the teacher's authority. But any time that I give my kids an opportunity or they see me undermining authority, I'm hurting my own authority in my children's life. I may not understand why the teacher did something, but I'll tell my children, look, I'm sure that they had a good reason for why they did what they did. And I may later go and ask the teacher and say, I don't understand it. I may even disagree with the teacher. But my kids need to know that I support their authority. I'm going to just give you the other ones real quickly, and I won't give you the references because it's time for us to be done. But remember them, Hebrews 13, 17. Follow their faith, Hebrews 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13, 7, both of those. Obey them. Hebrews 13, 17. Submit to them. Hebrews 13, 17. Salute them. That doesn't mean every time somebody comes through, you know. Wives, you don't have to salute your husband every time he comes through the room, right? But to greet them. To greet them. To let them know that you're thankful for them. Uh, that's Hebrews 13, 24. It says, salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They have Italy salute you. In other words, to greet them. And then lastly, and this will help all the rest of them, and that is this. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know the best thing that my wife can do for me is pray for me. The best thing I can do for my wife is to pray for her. All these other things will fall in line if I really am praying for them the way that I'm supposed to. But be, let me just challenge you, be an Aaron and her in your family, in your home, and every place that God gives you an opportunity to be an influence. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for these faithful folks in this class, Lord. I pray that you would bless our week. I pray that we would honor you in all that we say and do. I pray that you would give me opportunities and help me to take advantage of those opportunities to be an Aaron and a her for somebody. To lift up somebody's hands that might be weary, that might be struggling, that might be frustrated. To say, hey, here, have a seat and let me help you. Lord, help us to be that. Help us to look for opportunities to do that. Rather than being the weight on their arms that's causing their hands to be heavy, help us to be the ones that lift them up. We love you. Blessed day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are